0: What is up, everyone? It is your boy, The Tank. It's Wednesday at noon, and I am here to talk to you about college and NFL football for the next hour on Weagle 91.1 FM. Let's not waste any time and get on with the show. What is up, everyone? It is your boy, The Tank. It is a lovely Wednesday afternoon right now. Perfect football weather. It's about 62 degrees. The high is around 70. And I expect this to stay the same until the Auburn-Ole Miss game coming up on Saturday at 6 p.m., which is going to be a great game. Hopefully hopefully this Auburn defense is ready for Matt Corral and that entire what looks to be unstoppable Ole Miss offense. But I have to say, it's a great start to the show right now, but I'm going to go into my – how much I suck at making predictions. Uh, last week I went three and seven in my college predictions, and four and three in my NFL, which is a winning record. But three and seven is not what you want to do. That's what thirty percent. Uh, but yeah, my just to get started with talking about my week eight thoughts. Uh, Alabama Tennessee is the first game I'm gonna talk about because Auburn had a bye week, so I can't talk about them. But Tennessee was actually in that game the entire. It, well for 3 quarters at least. Uh it really showed that they were out a few players that their depth was hindering them from the from uh com- really competing in all four quarters. Uh Hendon Hooker played pretty well. The entire Tennessee team has been playing pretty has been playing very well. They they are way ahead of schedule right now for Josh Heupel. Uh but uh, i think it's going to be a few years may- maybe it could be it could even be next year but i feel like in 2 to 3 years tops Heupel's going to have them in competition for like at least second place in the east because we don't know how good georgia's going to be a few years down the line uh but tennessee's in a great spot right now uh hopefully they're in uh in contention for some uh transfers i can't remember where exactly they rank right now in recruiting i feel like they're either outside of the top 10 or they're either right inside of it. But, I mean, top 10 in the uh, SEC is, like, top 25 in college football. But, yeah, I think Tennessee is probably going to be a very good team. I think Heupel is going to have them back in the race for the SEC. Moving to our friends out west, we have we had Oregon and UCLA uh, for Pac-12 after dark. Oregon wins 34-31. They were up by a lot of – I forgot what the exact score was, but I know they had at least a two-score lead at one point, but then UCLA came back and actually started uh, trying to win. But uh, costly mistakes, two picks, I believe, at the end of the game for uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Sealed the game for Oregon. I think right now this kind of proves that Oregon is probably the – Oregon is my worst team that is ranked in the top ten. And I think right now it kind of shows that I don't think the Pac-12 really deserves a spot. I feel like we're going to be out two Power Five conferences this year. Uh, We're going to be out of the ACC, of course, right now. Because I feel like they're not going to give Wake Forest any leeway, and they're going to give Pitt any leeway unless they start winning bigger and bigger games. Because it it just depends on – I mean, Pitt already beat – they beat Clemson. But I don't know if uh, Wake Forest is going to be able to contend. Because there was a graphic made by Fox, I believe, and they were doing their uh, most talented to least talented teams. And Wake Forest was actually, I believe, 13th out of 14th. Not a single four- or five-star on this team. I think Wake Forest is playing extremely well for the uh, caliber of uh, talent they have on this team. Uh, And, you know, talking about Wake Forest... They just beat Army 70-56. to Absolutely no defense played in this game. But gonna early off, I'm going to go and do my dog of the week, uh, QB from Wake. Sam Hartman went off against Army. I mean, it, there was no defense played. And, you know, Army is a triple option team. But Sam Hartman, 23 of 29, 458 yards, five passing touchdowns. Also had four carries for 22 yards and had a rushing touchdown. Six total touchdowns for Mr. Hartman. Wake also had two receivers go over 140 receiving yards. Jaquarius Roberson eight catches for 157 yards, three touchdowns, averaged 19.6 yards per catch, and At Perry six catches for 146 yards, 24.3 yards per catch, and a touchdown for himself. I think they almost had another guy who had a uh, hundred yards. I think he had 93. I can't. I didn't write his name down, but I know he had like two or three catches for 93, 95 yards, somewhere around there. So it's a great overall game for Wake Forest. I feel like this is a real statement win for them. Uh, looking at Army, you know, they still run the triple option. I feel like all the uh, military schools really run that triple option. Army had 70 carries. They ran the ball 70 times. I, I mean, I I know that it's a military school, and you, I guess you're just trying to keep everyone in shape by just running the ball the entire time. But, I mean, I I feel like at some point if these military academies ever want to win again, I feel like they need to kind of, like, change and go away from that. Because if you look at Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech has been playing slightly better since they left that triple option. I know we all love the triple option for Georgia Tech. It was a fun era. Everyone loved it. It's unstoppable, and it's only 14. But I think that they need to, like, go away from that, even though it is their kind of their shtick, per se. Uh, Looking at the Wednesday night game uh app state upset the undefeated at the time coastal carolina Chanticleers 30 to 27 and chase bryce actually went off if you're not familiar with chase bryce he was the backup to trevor lawrence i believe or is he also the he's also the backup i believe to kelly bryant as well but once uh trevor lawrence kind of sealed the job he transferred to duke uh he was the bright spot for duke last year but you know duke is duke on football so he transferred to App State, and he actually had a pretty good game. He's had a good season, but he had a great game against Coastal Carolina. Eighteen of twenty-eight, three hundred and forty-seven yards, and two touchdowns. His receiver had ten. His receiver Malik Williams had ten catches, two hundred and six receiving yards, and a touchdown himself. But I'm referring to Coastal, I believe Coastal Carolina can be confirmed as America's as, as America's college team because everyone loves the shot to clear, especially from last year. You know, they were the guys with the mullets. Everybody loved him. And I, I hate that they lost. I really wish that they would be undefeated. But I mean, the AP poll and I believe the CFP poll as well was never gonna ever was never going to put them in the top ten, let alone the CFP itself. I just think it's a fun thing to think about because I mean, it's it's a Sun Belt team. Everyone, it's the Fun Belt. Everyone loves the Fun Belt. And I mean, I I hope that they win out they're one of my favorite teams to watch. They're always fun, high scoring team. It's just what it's they play like the old school kind of football. They, you know, they throw it a lot, score a lot of points. That and that's what you, everyone loves to watch. Everyone loves an offensive game. And uh speaking of offensive game, Oregon State upset my Utah Utes uh 42 to 34. Oregon State wide receiver BJ Taylor had 19 19- or, not receiver. No receiver, yeah. B.J. Taylor had 19 catches for 152 yards and one touchdown. Uh, also, in my notes, I have a little straight face going on because I was very upset with the fact that um, Utes lost after the amount of uh, hype that I gave to Cameron Rising last week. Uh, using my Cameron Rising is on the rise pun. Uh, I absolutely love Cameron Rising. I think he's a great quarterback. I just feel like the... The Oregon State is sneaky. Well, they're not even sneaky good. They have a great record. It's like they're either 5-3 and three or 5-2. and two. They're one of those. And I was shocked to even see that they were as good as they are because, I mean, Oregon State has been notoriously bad over the few years. Uh, And just to see them win, I mean, I'm not – I feel like they would have lost to a different team. I would be more upset. But the, I kind of like Oregon State. I've always liked their uniforms. I'm a fan of – uh, orange and black—I feel like that's always a great combo to go with, especially because maybe it's just because I like the Halloween season. But them and Oklahoma State—they always uh, have great uniforms. And you know, speaking of Oklahoma State, uh, Jays got upset by an Iowa State team, which was a, was a big was a very shocking game to watch, especially because of a taunting call that was called an Iowa state they'll get called they called back a touchdown because he like did a little high step like he was celebrating and they were like oh taunting and called it back like a, a 50 i believe 50 it was a it was a long re, uh, receiving touchdown he ran in on the slants, uh caught the entire defense slipping cut up field wide open no one within 20 yards of him it looked like uh he, his leg his right leg like slightly went up higher as like he was celebrating Went back down, ran to the end zone, flag comes out, taunting, 15-yard penalty, comes back. Uh, most people have been people have been calling this one of the worst calls in all of college football history, which, I mean, I can agree with. I feel like it is a terrible call, and I don't get why they're doing this now. I know the NFL is known for doing it. I don't know why college is doing it. But, I mean, the NCAA has shown that it does not care about the fans at all. They don't really care about money, so they don't they don't really care that this taunting call is as bad as it is. And uh, yeah, but Iowa State wins twenty four to twenty one. Brock Purdy had three hundred seven passing yards and two touchdowns. His receiver caught both of those touchdowns. He had twelve catches, one hundred twenty five yards. Great game for Iowa State. I, I hate that Oklahoma State is now not undefeated. I felt like they were the one team. Left that I think could beat Oklahoma, you know, because Oklahoma almost lost to Kansas. Uh, also, I don't, I don't think Oklahoma is as good as they, as either the, the voters and all those teams think they are. They're very beatable, and I feel like whoever they play in that first round, no matter who it is, if it's Cincinnati, Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, Oklahoma is not making it past that first round. Uh, even with Caleb Williams, who I think is the best quarterback on that roster, I just think that. Uh, Oklahoma is just poorly advertised. Their defense is not good. They just have, are in a very weak Big 12, so they look good. And, I mean, Kansas, I don't know if they're good or not or if they just caught Oklahoma slipping. Because, I mean, they scored 23 points. They were At one point, they were within range of getting the lead late. But some uh, some calls that may or may not have been illegal happened. I mean, there was a play if it – since it, Caleb Williams is a true freshman. That one play, I feel like I don't, it's kind of hard to describe over radio. But uh, fourth and two, they run the ball to the middle. The running back gets – not of the middle. They run it around the end. running back gets stuffed. They would have blown the whistle for most other uh, teams, I believe. But they didn't. He's starting to get pushed back. And as soon as he gets pushed back once or for like a half a second, Caleb Williams reaches in, grabs the ball out of his running back's hands and then runs for six yards gets the first down. Basically seals the game after that because they scored a touchdown on that drive. And there's a lot of speculation on whether or not this play was illegal or not, but rewatching it, it, was it was legal. But in the moment, you're like, dang, I wanted Kansas to win. And then, you know, that Kansas lost. And I can't wait to watch this week because this week is Kansas versus Oklahoma State, a game that it shouldn't be fun or it shouldn't be interesting, but it is because watching how Kansas played last week. I think it'll be a fun, uh, hopefully it'll be a fun game. And uh, we're coming up in a break in about two minutes. So I'll kind of run through Texas Tech firing their head coach. Uh, Matt Wells, uh, this is his third season at the Red Raiders. Had a five and three start. I feel like there's something else going on behind there. I, I don't know what it is. Because Texas Tech is not a team where you expect them to just be like, that's win now kind of thing. They might be, but I mean. They're not in a place right now where they can win immediately. And it's only three seasons in. I feel like 13-17 isn't terrible. I mean, it's losing, but it's not horrendously bad. 5-3 uh, and three start, that's a good start for a team that is basically rebuilding. But ever since Cliff Kingsbury left, which would have been in 2017 or 2018, for the Cardinals job. Tech has not really been in the uh, national picture. So I guess it's a good call. But, I mean, Texas Tech is not going to hire your, like, big-name coach, though. They're not going to get you a James Franklin. They're not going to get you an Urban Meyer. Because no matter how good of a college town Texas Tech is, they're not a great landing spot for most coaches. They kind of got lucky with Cliff Kingsbury, Michael Leach, are two big names but after but other than those two I can't really name any of the uh Texas Tech coaches but oh wait of course Tommy Tuberville but I don't think they're going to be getting any of these big names that we are here circ- that we hear circling around about who's going where and I I think it might have been a bad call to fire him this early I feel like you should just do it if you're going to fire him at least do what like he's doing and just wait till the end of the year That's the best cause for it. I mean, you're going to have an interim coach anyways for a bowl game. But they will go to a bowl game. That's the thing. I feel like they could get at least seven or eight wins out of this season, which I think is a good season for a Texas Tech. But we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about the nine overtime game and a little Spencer Rattler. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Tank Talks Football here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am your boy, The Tank. If you missed the first segment of the show, it ran through some uh, Week 8 thoughts and some of the big headlines from those weeks. Uh, if you missed that, make sure you catch the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I will upload it around 2.30, but it just depends on when it gets published. So expect it around uh, 2 to 3. Uh, so moving on to Happy Valley. Uh, Illinois upsets a top 10 Penn State team 20 to 18. In a game that went to nine overtimes, we got a real look at the uh, over, new overtime rules, which, you know what? If it was a shorter game, I'm, a, I'm more of a fan of. But I feel like at some point, you know, they did this to protect players. And I feel like at some point we're going to get like a 20 overtime game. Maybe. I mean, it's possible. And At that point, I feel like they've already taken enough snaps to where it's around that same time that they're trying to get rid of. Uh, I personally I like the new overtime rules. I like the little two point shootout kind of thing. But once it got to six OT, seven OT, I was like, please, just please, someone score, and someone don't score. And I mean, I, I think we're on the fourth overtime or fifth overtime. I think Penn State scored then, or you were just like, okay, I want Penn State to lose, but Illinois don't score, and then Illinois scored, and they went three, four more and then Illinois finally scored, Penn State got stopped. Game over. And everyone can move on with their day. But I mean, I I think the rules pretty cool. I mean, I me and my uh, roommate were talking about uh potentially like, Iron Bowl setup. It's like imagine the uh the Iron Bowl goes to like four overtimes. Uh Tank Bigsby runs in the middle, runs over like a Bama linebacker and scores a 2-point Scores the two points, and then all of a sudden they Alabama tries the same thing, runs the middle. Of Brian Robinson, Owen Papo runs down the middle, stuffs him. Auburn wins in a five and a four overtime Iron Bowl, which I think would be sick. But I mean, if it went to if it went nine, ten, eleven overtimes, I feel like the at that point you're, uh most students are like sobering up, so it's just not not enjoyable anymore, you're just like, please, someone. you don't care if you lose anymore if, once you get to, like, that that time. Because, I mean, it, every other overtime, they walk to the other side of the field. So it's just going back and forth. And they're, none of them are running. The, the Penn State guys and the Illinois guys, they had to, like – the commentators had to filibuster for a little bit because you had to sit there and watch all these linemen and all these – the defense just – trot down the field to go to like to the second over or the like fifth overtime, then walk all the way back to go to the sixth and walk all the way down the other side of the field to go to the seventh. It was exhausting. At that point, you're putting your more players at risk that way. I believe it once. I feel like if you're going to do this and you cut it short at some point, I mean, at least go to three overtimes where it's normal, then start doing the other stuff. Because, I mean, at three overtime, people are already tired, and you can just get it over with then, at mostly. I mean, because the overtime rules, is, the first overtime is normal. Second overtime is you got to go for 2 more conversion. Then third through Infinity OT is whenever they're doing the uh, two-point shootout, which, like I said before, is fun up until, like, that double-digit one or ninth one for... Uh, Penn State and Illinois, but luckily Illinois won, Move Penn State down to 20. Great win for the LII. Moving on to one of the biggest names in college football right now, Spencer Rattler. Uh, he's going... No, he's not announced that he will be transferring, but with his ego, he's not going to want to be a backup. He's going to leave at some point. I feel like they're not really going to give... Uh, He's not going to give Caleb Williams uh, any shot at Starting over, or he's not going to give Caleb Williams any trouble uh, in the QB race right now because Spencer, uh, Spencer Rattler's already proved that he is not as as good as advertised as he probably thinks he is. So I used my own opinions plus a few others around the internet to narrow down five teams that I think that Rattler might consider to transfer to going into next season. I have an honorable mention. I'll just throw it out there. I think Ole Miss is an honorable mention. I feel like that's a team that Lane Kiffin would probably try to get him. He he loves those uh, mobile quarterbacks that have a slight ego to them. And, you know, you get a mobile, uh, uh okay mobile quarterback with a giant ego. I feel like he just matches Lane Kiffin's. Uh, but at five, I have Tennessee. I feel like Tennessee is probably going to be looking for a quarterback soon. I feel like Hendon Hooker is good, but I don't know how long he'll keep up his – Uh, streak of being good if Tennessee have got the opportunity to get Spencer Rattler they'd probably take it just see if Josh just see if Josh Heupel can either redeem him and make him a better quarterback but yeah five out of Tennessee at four and I'm gonna go ahead and do both these four and three of the Arizona teams Arizona Wildcats and the Arizona State Sun Devils Uh, Rattler is from Arizona I feel like if he doesn't make it Oklahoma Oklahoma has been his uh the team he committed to since like his sophomore year of high school I believe or freshman year. somewhere around there he always knew he was going to go to Oklahoma uh but I feel like if he was going to transfer he might he could just go back home or go back you know, to his home state and play for the Sun Devils either after Jaden Daniels uh leaves or probably just start immediately for the uh Wildcats which I don't think he would do cuz like, the uh Wildcats are pretty bad right now I feel like they're I don't know if they're winless or if they just have one win. It's one of the two. But I feel like he could make his way back to the, uh, the state of Arizona. At two, I have Miami. I feel like another it's another big ego school that he can match. Uh, Manny Diaz is probably going to be on his way out soon. And I feel like Garrett De- De- King is not going to be there next year. Uh, they're going to be looking for a quarterback. And, you know, again, with the Ole Miss thing, big ego attracts big ego. I feel like Rattler could go there because I mean, there's not going to be a job, or there's not gonna, there's going to be a starting uh, QB com- uh, competition for Miami next year. And at one, I have keeping it with the Wildcats. Uh, got Kentucky. Uh, Will Levis is pretty good, but I think that if they bring in a Rattler, I feel like it'd be it'd be very beneficial to that team. Uh, and the, the offense in Kentucky has always been centered around running the ball, and I feel like if you get Rattler in where he's not the focal point of the offense, maybe he could actually improve on a few things. He was, enough, he was the top-ranked quarterback in the NFL draft this year, but at this rate he is not going within the first two rounds with his ego and how terrible he's been playing as of late. But yeah, those are my top five landing spots for Rattler. And, you know, it's – it's, uh, it's October. It's spooky season. So I thought it'd be fun if I listed my top five scariest mascots in college sports. I say college sports because a few of these I feel like are more basketball oriented. But yeah, it's a fun little list and I think that uh, it's uh, tis the season to be spooky. At five, I have the Clemson Tiger. It's a cracked out tiger. His eyes are yellow. It's weird. And he does not look like a tiger at all. Oh, he looks like one, but not really. He looks like, it's it's a weird tiger. It's not even, it's not like Mike weird. Or it's weirder than Mike, who's like a realistic tiger. And I feel like it's weirder than the Missouri tiger, which is like a cartoony one. I don't know why they did that. I don't know why they did the yellow eyes like they did, but it's weird. At four, I have him this low. If he wasn't retired, I'd probably have him higher. But this one's retired. If Cal Bear's old mascot, Oski Labear terrifies me. I was googling top like scary mascots just to get like a picture of what I wanted and this guy came up and I was terrified. Oski the bear from Cal, he is not a mascot you want to see out in public cuz he just gives you the creeps. He has this weird it's like, like a, he's a sun bear, I believe. So a sun bear if you don't know, they have a very they have a white face, like their fur turns white around their face kind of and the rest of it's like a dark brown. So it, it's they did that. So he's a he's brown fur all the way up to his face, where it's just white, with this elongated smile that just goes up his cheeks. It's creepy. It's weird. I don't know what child looked at that and was like, "Yes, I want to go take a picture of that," because I feel like that would terrify any child within like seeing distance of him. At three, I have the Southern Illinois Saluki mascot. I don't know if this is the same mascot, but I remember. Uh, they might have retired at this point but he it is a very realistic dog it has sharp teeth and everything it has canines and it's another thing where I'm like what child goes up to this uh mascot and wants to take a picture with it or is having fun with it because it looks creepy it looks like a I know spooky season but it looks like a dog that will bite you I'm not it's an Afghan hound is what it is modeled after and I don't know why they didn't try to do it more they, I think they have now, but I don't know why you don't originally go with the more cartoony look. I know if you look back at mascots from like the 1900s uh, era, like mid-70s to late-80s. All of those look really creepy. It looks like they just stuck with that all the way up to like the mid-2000s. It is creepy looking. And my two-in-one spot have the same name, per se. They're both named Pete. Uh, just because their heads are weird. Pistol Pete is at number two just because the wooden head. Is a weird choice. Uh, it's no emotion whatsoever on either of the two, and it just always looks angry. Uh, and I'm not gonna spend too much long on Pistol Pete because they basically look the same. He just he's Purdue Pete with a hat, but Purdue Pete is my number one. He is stone cold in the face, no emotion, emotionless eyes. I it's another one where I'm like, what? The mascots are for the children. So I don't know what child wants to take a picture with Purdue Pete. I feel like if you're – I guess if you're raised as a Purdue fan, yeah, you're going to love Purdue Pete. But as someone who was raised in, as an Auburn fan, I hate that mascot. It's terrifying. And I looked inside – there's a picture I looked up uh, that I was told to by uh, someone. I uh, was told to by Jack uh, – Jack Hart of Compact Discourse, he told me to look up a picture of him and, his, and the inside of his mask. It is terrifying. I don't know how anyone who could like wear that mask could just enjoy seeing that for three hours at a time. Maybe more. That's why I love here about Auburn. We are spoiled with the best mascot in all of sports, really. I feel like if there's any mascot that I could love more than him it's probably Benny the Bull from Chicago. But... If you don't know, uh, Aubie now has a a banner outside the student center of all of his national championships that he's won. Uh, It was a joke on uh, TNT in the morning this past Friday where we are now a mascot school, which, you know, is believable. Uh, Aubie has won more national championships than any other mascot. He is the goat of all mascots. And, you know, we are coming up on a, we are about to go to break right now, but whenever I come back, I will talk about the NFL Big week for the NFL this week. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the back half of uh, Tank Talks Football here on Week 91.1 FM. Now we're talking a little NFL football. Uh, as you may know, I've said multiple times on my shows that I am a Carolina Panthers fan. I'm going to rant a little bit about my Carolina Panthers because they break my heart every week. We started 3-0. and We're now 3-4. and we just lost to the New York Giants, twenty-five to three. I am hurting every week. I I never get to watch any of the games. I got to watch the overtime game uh, last week at work, actually. So I had to watch it on my phone while customers were coming in. Uh, but it hurts every week. I, I'm also an OK, I'm a Oklahoma City Thunder fan as well. So them being. Uh, winless as well also hurts. At least I'm a Carolina Hurricanes fan, so that helps. But, I honestly, I can blame the Texans for most of my pain because they, even if they didn't do it on purpose or if they even meant to do it at all, they hurt Christian McCaffrey, which derailed our season. Because, I mean, Joe Brady's a good OC, but he, at times, makes questionable decisions like abandoning the run game and trying to make Sam Darnold do way too much. I feel like... Uh, especially with the rumors that have been going around about Deshaun Watson coming to the Panthers, which has now been declared false, but at some point someone put out there the Panthers have offered a trade to the Texans that they cannot refuse for Deshaun Watson, which terrified me at the time because, you know, they uh, the Texans were asking for three first-round picks and a young star for Deshaun Watson, a player that we don't even know will play in – a few years he could he could very well just retire and never play football again for from all this and uh of course you know as a Panthers fan the young star that comes to mind that could be traded is Christian McCaffrey and if we traded him I don't know what I would do I'd probably just abandon the team because at that point Christian McCaffrey I already bought a jersey for him so if he doesn't play anymore I'm kind of screwed so, if he would have went, it's like it's Cam Newton. I had a Cam Newton jersey too for the Panthers, and now he's like a free agent. But keeping it on the quarterbacks right now, because it, Chris McCaffrey got hurt, well, now our offense is kind of centered around what can Sam Darnold do now? Sam Darnold really needs to step up his game a little bit. Uh, In seven games, he is 153 of 289, 1,600 yards, seven touchdowns, and eight interceptions. It's not real good for a quarterback that. You know, was a number two overall pick, and we traded a second-round pick for him. Uh, the first three games, he's playing he's playing great in those first three games, but for these past four games, he's not been playing very well. He's a good running he, – he's been doing pretty well running the ball. 26 carries for 110 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, not a great uh, – it's pretty good for a quarterback that's more of a pro-style guy, but passing-wise, he needs to really step up and improve. Or the Panthers need to – start looking for either a quarterback via trade or in the draft. Right now the uh, Panthers are projected to be the 11th pick. They should either start looking at a quarterback, but if they're willing to stay with Sam Darnold for another year, look towards more the O-line. I don't think defense right now is a necessary move, I feel like, unless you can get a good linebacker, but I feel like you can get one of those in any round, really. Uh, O-line is definitely a key right now. And, you know, keeping it on the NFL draft right now, the quarterbacks have changed, uh, not well, not tremendously. Well, looking at the thing, yeah, it has. I mean, only one quarterback. Using Todd McShay's uh, list, he listed his, he released his big board today, actually, I believe. Uh, and preseason, his big, his uh, top four quarterbacks were Keaton Slovis, Malik Willis, Sam Howell, and Spencer Rattler. Looking at it right now. He, uh, Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, and Keon Slovis are nowhere to be seen. Malik Willis has moved up to number one. Matt Corral, two. Kenny Pickett from Pitt is at three. And at four are my Cincinnati Bearcats quarterback, Desmond Ritter. Uh, This is a – I don't know how good this QB class will play in the NFL. I know last year and the year before that they were, like, very hyped up. I feel like this one is going to be hyped up even more because the amount of talent that they're giving out is is immense. But I don't know how good they're going to be and transfer over well to the NFL. I feel like Matt Corral has a good chance, too. Uh, Malik Willis could. Uh, I hope Desmond Ritter can. Can he pick it? I'm not too sure yet because, I mean, he's having, he's having a good year now. But over the past few years, he's been kind of quiet. Uh, either, either the ESPN has just not been caring about Pitt's quarterback at all or I just have not heard anything or I've been missing everything about Pitt. But I don't know how well Kenny Pick is going to transfer over. And a few other guys I've seen around. Uh Sam Howell, I feel like he should be definitely be someone. Uh NBC Sports actually pre- uh, released their mock draft uh yesterday, actually. Uh they had their their first quarterback they have going is uh Matt Corral. They have him going to the Washington football team with the eighth pick. Next they have Malik Willis going to the Eagles with the 13th pick. Carson Strong from Nevada going to Atlanta. Sam Howell to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Harrison Tarr, I know, is very happy if that happens. Will be very happy if that happens. Uh, Kenny Pickett to go to Detroit at pick 28. Detroit is going to have two picks in the first round, I believe, unless they did a, a mock draft trade, which I hate, by the way. I hate when they do trades and mock drafts because they, all, they just, like, throw them around. I remember there was a mock draft for this past one where there was, like, eight trades to go on, and I think – in the draft, there was only like two, but people were like saying, "Oh, we'll see." I think that the Buccaneers are going to trade up, so they're going to trade uh, their thirty-second pick for the eighteenth pick for like the like two other picks, and then they had like four within the first like few round or in the first like top ten picks. It's ridiculous, and uh, the Lions are actually projected to have two picks. Uh, that twenty-eighth one, I guess, is. I don't think it's a trade. It looked it, – it, I didn't really read, but they predicted to have the number one pick as well, who everyone can pretty – whenever uh, – it, it's usually a defensive player that gets all the hype like this, like a Chase Young or a uh, Javion J. Clowney. They usually get these kind of hype kind of things. This is more like a Jadavion Clowney because uh, last year Joe Burrow was the clear – not Joe Burrow. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was the clear number one pick, followed by – Panay Sewell, Kyle Pitts, and all of them. But this year, Kayvon Thibodeau is definitely the the guy. Uh, he is from Oregon, defensive end. Uh, he has been a big-name player ever since. Auburn was able to play Oregon against he, – he played against Auburn in uh, my freshman year, in 2018. No, not my freshman year, but sophomore year, 2019. Uh, before he actually was, like, a key player on that team. So we just missed out. Had he – had we played Oregon, like, the year after – I don't know how well Auburn would have uh, would have been able to play against Kayvon Thibodeau, but he has been a monster ever since he started. Since he has started for Oregon, uh, he terrorizes any offensive lineman that is in front of him. I think that the Lions are definitely going to be looking at him because I think they're fine. They might be fine offensively. The Lions, I feel bad for because they're one. Of, they're a winless team, but I feel like they. Have so much potential to have wins. They've lost two games this year. They've that, have, that have, uh, had a final score of 19 to 17. I think someone said they're the the scrappiest team in the league. The worst, they're the worst team and the scrappiest team because they compete every week, but they just can't get it done and can't win games. Uh, going into uh, more news-centered stuff, uh, Mike Tomlin got mad with. Uh, Questions about the USC job, saying that no booster could pull him away from Pittsburgh. I don't know why. Uh, The only coach I can think of right now that would leave for an NFL job was Jim Harbaugh because, you know, he had so many many ties to Michigan. So it kind of makes sense that he would go there. But, I mean, I don't see why he would leave Pittsburgh right now. Especially because, I mean, you have to pay him a lot of money for him to be willing to leave a job that he's had for so long. Uh, the only way he'd be he leave for a college job is if he got fired, maybe. But at that point, the NFL would an NFL team would scoop him up immediately. And uh, this happened two days ago, actually. I, I somehow missed it until I was having lunch yesterday. But the Eagles traded for Joe Flacco, or the Eagles traded Joe Flacco to the Jets. I didn't even know Joe Flacco was on the Eagles, and now he's back on the Jets. He was on Jets last, and uh, this because Zach Wilson got a grade two PCL sprain. Uh, he will miss two to four weeks. Uh, this is basically insurance in case their backup Mike Wright either gets hurt or doesn't play well. Wright, against the Pats last week had twenty of thirty past uh, twenty of thirty-two, two hundred two yards, a touchdown, and two picks, which is not bad for a backup. And it was a bad game overall for the uh, Jets. And with four three minutes left in this segment, I'm gonna go with my predictions for week eight. Yeah, week eight of my NFL of the NFL. Season, uh, Thursday Night Football. We have the Green Bay Packers as they travel to the, as they travel to Glendale, Arizona, to play the undefeated Cardinals. The Cardinals are a six and a half point favorite. Uh, the Packers are down Devonte Adams and Alan Lazard due to COVID. I'm gonna, it's, I'm gonna have to go with the hot hand here. Cards are undefeated. They have the best quarterback in the game right now. Well, not the best quarterback, but he's the, he's playing the best out of any quarterback in the league right now. So, I got to go with the cards. Uh, Sunday, 12 o'clock kickoff. Tennessee travels to Indianapolis to play the Colts. This is a battle for the AFC South. Uh, Titans are favored by one. I can see the Colts pulling, pulling this one out, but I'm going to go with the Titans. I feel like they're the better team, especially after how they played against the Chiefs. Uh, but if the Colts win, I would not be surprised. Uh, got some bad games on here. Got like Jags at Seahawks. Uh, Seahawks are a three-point favorite with Geno Smith. They're not playing that well. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars could find a way to pull this one out. I feel like they're the Seahawks are only favorite because this game is in Seattle. So I'm gonna go with the Jacksonville Jaguars here. Then we have the Pats as they travel to LA to play the Chargers. The Chargers are a six point favorite. The Pats are fresh off of destroying the Jets. But I'm gonna have to go with the Chargers here. I feel like they're the better team. Uh, but I think it's gonna be a good game through and through, but I just think the Chargers are just gonna pull it out in the end. Uh, Then we have an NFC South matchup, Bucks as they travel to the New Orleans Saints. Bucks are a five-point favorite. And you know what? I don't like picking against Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady is going to have this one in the bag. He's out a few players, but that's never been a misstep for the GOAT. So I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Sunday Night Football. Cowboys travel to Minnesota to play the Vikings. The Cowboys are a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. And with how they've been playing so far, I'm going to have to go with the Cowboys. I think they're the better team. The Vikings have been finding ways to lose, except for my Panthers. But I think the Cowboys are a better team. Uh, Monday Night Football, we got the Giants as they play the Chiefs. The Chiefs are a 10-point favorite somehow, even though they've been playing terribly. If you're a, one of a if you're a, dreaming of being an NFL GM one day, make sure that you learn from the Chiefs' mistake. Never pay a man that much money without a backup plan because the chiefs have no money to improve their team. They have a bad roster on defense, except for they only have really one good player on defense right now. And it's Tyron Matthew who, you know, if you're, if you have one good player on defense there, you're going to give up a lot of points. And even if your one guy plays well, it's not going to be good. Uh, and chiefs also can't move the ball very well. Patrick Holmes is doing what he can, but he also is the only player on the team that's getting played. So, I mean, you have to get like you have to get scraps for players right now. And even though the 10 point favorite, I might go with the Giants here after how I saw them playing against the Panthers. If, if the Panthers aren't good, they're not good, but I feel like the Giants could end up winning this game. But this is kind of the lesser of two evils here. We're going to go to break and when I come back, I will do my predictions for week 9 of the college football season. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the last 15 minutes or last 10 minutes really of uh Tank Dogs Football here on Wego ninety one point one FM. Uh, if you missed any of the show, make sure you get uh, make sure you listen on listen wherever you get your podcast. It's going to be up on Spotify, Apple, all of them. Uh, also, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at your boy the Tank. That is boy with an I. And you can follow my Instagram at Dylan Lark. It's D Y L A N L E R C K. You can I was also if anyone everyone that knows me knows that I was on Bo Nix's Instagram story. Uh, yesterday for where, buying his Focus and Having Fun shirt. But he can start on my Week 9 predictions. I'm going through the spreads that have definitely changed since I wrote down this uh, my rundown. But to start off, we're going to go with Michigan, Michigan State. This is five. Uh, number f- the number five team in the nation of Michigan. Travels to East Lansing to play the Michigan State Spartan to the number eight team in the nation. Michigan is a four-point favorite. And as much as I hate Michigan... I have to go with the, them here. They've been playing very well recently. Uh, I think that Michigan State has been caught slipping a few times but somehow pulled out in the end. I have to go with the Wolverines here, even though that I really hate it. Uh, then we have the Texas Longhorns travel to Waco to play Baylor. Uh, Baylor's the number 16 team in the nation. They're playing very well. Baylor's a three-point favorite. I'm going to have to go with the Bears here. I, I like what uh, Dave Aranda's doing over there. I think their quarterback is better. Than Casey Thompson, I feel like that well, not better, but I feel like the key here is the run game. Baylor ran the ball very well last week. Texas ran the ball very well last week. Whoever can rush for more yards is probably going to win this game. And then we have Miami as they travel to Kenny Pickett's uh, team, the number 17 team in the nation, Pitt. Pitt is a nine-point favorite. And I'm going to go with the Pitt Panthers here. I think they've been playing very well. They're my favorite to win the ACC right now. And you know what? Yeah. I don't think Miami's doing pretty well. I think Manny Diaz is going to get fired at the end of this year. I think it's a pretty safe call, and I think Miami is going to be one of the top spots for like where coaches want to go. And yeah, well, yeah. I I don't know who they're gonna get. I don't. They might be able to pull like an NFL guy out, or I can't think of any college coaches right now that would be free just to leave wherever they are. And we're going to move on to the SEC on CBS game. We have Florida as they travel to Jacksonville to play the uh, Florida Gators in the largest Adele cocktail party, I believe is the name, which is a great name for a rivalry. It's way better than Michigan, Ohio State's name. But, yeah, Georgia is a 14-point favorite, and I think they're going to cover that. I don't think Florida's that good. They don't have a quarterback yet. But, I mean, they could catch Georgia slipping, but I don't think they will. So I'm going to go with the Bulldogs here. Uh, then we have our game, number 10 Ole Miss travels to Jordan-Hare Stadium to play the number 18 team in the nation, the Auburn Tigers. Auburn is somehow a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I think Auburn wins the game. I have Auburn winning. Auburn needs to get a run game going, though. They need to, sec- The wide receivers need to catch the ball like they did last or two weeks ago. And the secondary needs to step up. If all those factors come into play, Auburn could win this game. And I'm going to say that they will. Uh, then we have Kansas at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is fresh off a loss to Iowa State. They dropped from, I think, 9th to eight to 15th after that loss. Oklahoma State is a 30-and-a-half point favorite. I only put this game on here because I think it's interesting because I want to see how Kansas plays against Oklahoma State after they almost could have beaten the Oklahoma Sooners. Then we have the number 20 team of the nation, Penn State, as they travel to... Ohio to play the number five team in the nation. Well, I said Michigan's number six team. Ohio State's number five team in the nation. Ohio State, who is now an 18-point favorite as the spread has changed. I have to go to the Buckeyes here. I don't think Penn State's been that good since they beat Auburn. Uh, Their defense has been suspect at times. Their offense isn't really moving the ball like they should. But the Buckeyes, on the other hand, are doing that. I mean, their defense is suspect against, like, better teams. But their offense has been playing, uh, has been unstoppable as of late. Ever since that, or, the the Oregon Ohio State game is very interesting look back at now, because ever since that game happened, they the winner and loser have been at very opposite trajectories than what you would have thought. Oregon winning has been going downhill ever since that game. Ohio State since that game has been uh, going up, which is very odd. You don't really see that a lot from teams, especially top top ranked teams. But yeah, I got to go with the Buckeyes here. And then we have the UNC Tar Heels travel to Notre Dame. The number, Notre Dame is the number 11 team in the nation. They are the they are a three-and-a-half-point favorite, I believe. Yep, three-and-a-half-point favorite. But you know me. I'm not picking Notre Dame to win any game. So I'm going to go with the Tar Heels. I think the off, their offense is unstoppable. I feel like Notre Dame isn't able to get pressure as much as they want. And I don't know if they're going to be out Kyle Hamilton, but I think if they are, that's going to be a big key to this game. Uh, Sam Howell has been playing very well. He's been sneaky good ever since. Because UNC's not playing well, but Sam Howell's playing well, even though he's on track to get sacked over 50 times. Then we have Pac-12 after dark. We have UCLA as they travel to the Utah Utes. Utah is a a 4.5-point favorite, now moving up to a a 6.5-point favorite, which is shocking. But I'm going to have to go. You know what? I'm going to change up what I said on my podcast. I'm going to go with the Utes here. Cameron Rising is on the rise. He is, uh, has 11 touchdowns and two interceptions since he's been starting. I'm going to go with the Utes. I think they take, take down the Bruins. The Bruins have a better record. But I don't know what is making the spread go up as high as it is. And finally, I have the Mountain West. Uh, Fresno State travels to San Diego to play the Aztecs. The Aztecs are undefeated. They are the number 21 team in the nation. I have to go with the Aztecs here. Even though they're at one point, this game could go either way. And Fresno State already made me mad last week by beating Nevada. So, yeah, those are my predictions. Hopefully, I do better than 3-7, and seven, which doesn't sound hard to do, but I very well could just go 2-8. and eight. But, yeah, that's all the time I have here today. I will see all of you guys next week. Thanks for listening. If you missed any part of the show, make sure to catch the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I'll be back next Wednesday at noon on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can follow the station's Twitter and Instagram at Weagle underscore AU for events, announcements, and more. If you can't make it to a radio, you can listen to our live stream at WeagleFM.com. As for me, come back next Wednesday at noon for more Tank Talks football.